0: We are delighted indeed that you're with us today. If memory serves me correct, we had uh, the same number last Sunday as we have today. You may or may not have been here last Lord's Day, but we're glad that you are here this morning and being a part of this service. We are delighted and honored by your presence, especially if you've come from uh, afar or near We're delighted that you're visiting with us today, and it's good to see some of our regulars back, and uh, uh, there will be some probably who will be out of town for fall breaks and all of that in the coming days, but we're here this morning to worship God in spirit and in truth. A couple of our ushers will have some study guides available, and they may help you in worshiping in that. You can concentrate on the material that we're studying and maybe take some notes on it and can refresh your memory later on by reviewing those notes. I have been impressed by the fact that a lot of our young people in years past have taken notes on the lessons and have preserved those copies for our study and so on. And we appreciate so much. They're doing that. Jesus said, but the hour comes and now is when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. God is a spirit. And they who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Those words were spoken by the Lord to the Samaritan woman in John 4, verses 23 and 24. They have been preserved by inspiration for all of us today. To remind us that worship is a great privilege it also involves a most serious undertaking and that is that that worship be rendered in spirit and in truth it is to be rendered with a very solemn uh, attitude if you please it is to be offered in view of the teachings of the Holy Spirit, who guides us into all truth through His Word. We are to worship, then, as the truth reveals. The things that we do in worship, including singing praise to God, petitioning Him in prayer, prayer, Laying by and store as we have been prospered, offering a sacrifice, if you please, of the blessings with which God has blessed us. Communing around the Lord's table each first day of the week to remember the fact that Jesus died for our sins. Not just everybody else's, but my sins must be a very personal thing with us. And then we engage in a study of God's Word that we might feed upon it and be sustained by the spiritual strength drawn therefrom. It's certainly a sacred privilege to be able to worship God. But I would like for us to recall the Bible teaches that we can be hindered in our worship to God. And I want us to talk about some of those hindrances today. You'll notice on the screen a second uh, text from 1 Peter chapter 3 verse 7. Paul or Peter rather has just been talking <coughs> to the women. And he talks to the wives, in particular, about their roles and their responsibilities as Christian women. And in particular, the relationship to their husband and family. But sometimes we forget verse 7 that immediately follows that. And you'll notice a trend in the Scriptures that usually when the writer addresses either the men or the women, there will be in close proximity to those statements the accompanying responsibilities for the other sex. So verse 7 says, Husbands, likewise. Dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, listen to this, that your prayers be not hindered. Prayers may be hindered. They can be hindered. They are hindered. If prayers can be hindered, then obviously the other, quote, acts of worship in which we engage can likewise be hindered. That seems to me to be a logical deduction and conclusion to reach. So let's think this morning about hindrances to worship. G.K. Wallace, a long time ago, gave uh, this definition in one of his classes that worship is reverence paid a divine being we know that that divine being the only true one is god we're aware of the fact that there are three members of the godhead god the father god the son god the holy spirit all are identified as having the attributes of deity God is to be worshipped in spirit and in truth, as we have already noted from our text. Peter reveals, as we've just seen, that prayers can be hindered, and indeed often are hindered. If you go back into the Old Testament, you'll find numerous situations and settings in which God basically said to Israel, your prayers are not pleasing to me. I don't even hear them anymore because you have become so corrupt in your day-to-day living. So don't bother me with your prayers until you change the attitude that governs you and guides you. That person who turns away his ears from hearing the truth, his prayer will be an abomination before God. It's like an insult being offered to God. What's it like on Sunday morning at your house? You ever thought about that? Somebody said one time, the problem with Sunday mornings is usually Saturday night. What do we do on Saturday night? It's very important to get a good night's rest on Saturday evening. Why? Because Sunday is the Lord's day. But we've got that turned around. We live for Saturday nights so often in our society today. And instead of preparing for Sunday morning, we're too busy concentrating on Saturday night (coughs) and maybe other nights too. Some of you recall, as do I, when the clothes were laid out on Saturday night for you to wear on Sunday morning. Everything, that was your Sunday go-to-meeting clothes. You put them on just before you went to worship, and you pulled them off immediately after getting back. But there was something special about that time. I can remember my dad would usually tune in several programs on the radio on Sunday morning that featured gospel preaching and singing. And that sort of set the tone for the day. And I can still see him <clears throat> sitting on, in the rocking chair on the front porch when it was pretty weather with a gospel advocate quarterly and a Bible in his hand looking over the lesson that would be taught in Bible class, and preparing, is that the way it is? Or is the television still blaring and uh, maybe other things going on and we're rushing about just in a dither? Maybe we need to think about
1: preparation. A lack of that can certainly happen. Preparation is very, very important. Preparing ourselves to
0: worship God. The place whereon we stand, you're sitting, I'm standing,
1: is holy ground. That's what God reminded Moses of in the book of Exodus.
0: Preparation was needed. Humility is needed. Proper attitude of heart is needed. Here's hindrance number one, forgetfulness. Sometimes we forget God's greatness. Think of this statement. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you know before whom you are worshiping at the present moment? The God who created the heavens and the earth. Have you taken a moment or a few minutes to contemplate the greatness of the heavens and the earth? And we have the privilege of worshiping before the one who created those things. Some would say, oh, no, no, no. God didn't do that. You tell me a more logical explanation for it. Oh, I I just don't believe in that type of miraculous things. And you believe the Big Bang Theory? That's more difficult to get your thoughts around and to accept when you consider the highly unlikelihood of something like that happening. The design that we see that is everywhere. You can count on the seasons. You can count on the sun rising and setting. There is an amazing sense of unity and design in this universe. We see the power of God who by his word created and then sustains the heavens and the earth. Sometimes people may think, well, we gather together to worship God so we can keep God going. No, he doesn't need anything. God is going to be God long after we've been interred and men have walked by our casket and all that. God will still be God. He has always been. He always will be because He is eternal. And He made us with an eternal component. That's our souls. But in Acts 17, in the midst of all the learned people of that area in the city of Athens, Paul pointed out, you worship your idols. You even have one to an unknown God. I'm here to tell you who that God is. He's the one that created all of us, made us all of one blood. And he is not worshipped by men's hands as though he needed anything. God is fully God. He has life. He has immortality. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present. And it is into His presence that we come on occasions such as this. We forget who the audience is in worship. I hear so many people today talking about how entertaining a particular worship service may be. Worship is not entertainment, it is not showboating, it is not glorying and gloating over our accomplishments. It is worship, reverence, respect accompanied by holiness
1: that we come into the presence of the Almighty God. We're in His presence. He and the hosts of heaven are the audience. We
0: must never forget that. We forget our sins and our need for God. We have all sinned, fallen short of the glory of God, Romans 3.23. If we say we have not sinned or have no sin, we're not being truthful. We're a liar. We're trying to make God a liar because He has declared the fact that there is none righteous. No, not one. There are so many powerful images used in the Scriptures to remind us that our sins are as scarlet and that we need to be cleansed and made whole. Jeremiah 10 reminds us in verse 23 that we desperately need God because we need guidance. We aren't capable of directing our own footsteps. Think of how many times we've gotten into trouble when we tried to launch out on our own and forgot all about God. His warnings are there telling us, don't go there. Don't do that. Avoid this. Abstain from the very appearance of evil. Have a disdain for evil that causes you to want to stay away from it. Put your trust and reliance in God. We forget the fruits of fellowship too, don't we? That can desperately hinder our worship. We all have heard Hebrews ten twenty five, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is. But notice the rest of that. But exhorting one another. How can you exhort one another if you aren't present? And how can you exhort one another if you're thinking about all these other things? We need to be encouraging to one another because it isn't easy to live a faithful life in an unfaithful world. We live in a world wherein God is said to be dead. I've always admired and remembered Brother Marshall Keeble's statement, first time I ever heard this statement made. He said, why, they're telling me that God is dead. I didn't even know he was sick. God is not sick. He is not dead. God is very much alive. But men are dead in trespasses and sins. And without God, there is no hope. We exhort one another... We're told that the early disciples continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, but the verse doesn't end there. In their doctrine and fellowship. They enjoyed being in company with the apostles. The apostles were great exhorters. You can read Peter's sermon in Acts 2 and again in Acts 3. Then at the household of Cornelius in Acts 10. You can read so many of Paul's great sermons recorded for us and you'll see that principle of exhortation over and over again. When you read the epistles, you see that. That's how we can receive exhortation today. But we need fellowship with one another was a man who had stopped attending services. He hadn't been seen in the house of the Lord for worship in several months.
1: A fellow member went by to see him. It was a cold winter night
0: and the one who came to see him found him sitting before the fire.
1: He went in very quietly, sat down beside him.
0: They were sitting in probably straight back chairs not too far from the fireplace. And the visitor reached and got what we always called the poker. And he reached into that fireplace and pulled out an ember.
1: It was red and glowing and giving off heat. But as he drew it out on the hearth and left it, the ember began to lose its glow. And pretty soon it was black and dark and giving off no heat. And I don't know if he did it or not, but he could
0: have taken the poker and pushed it back into the fire.
1: The guy, the visitor said, We've really been missing you. He said, I get your point. I hope we'll all get that point. When we don't enjoy the fellowship of the saints, we begin to lose our glow and pretty soon we'll be cold and dark and dead spiritually. Something to think
0: about, isn't it? Fellowship is very important. Let's not be forgetful. Peter says over and over and over, remember, remember, remember. We need to be put in remembrance. Another thing that can hinder worship is rushing through. We just can't wait to get through with worship. We've got to go and get this thing done and get it over with. There's so many people who spend their time watching the clock instead of taking stock. They're so concerned about time constraints that they're not thinking about their lives in view of what God's Word teaches. We all need to self-examine. It's difficult. That introspection, looking inwardly at our own thoughts and attitudes in our lives.
1: So often in worship, our focus is not on God. It is on the world. We think more about time than we do eternity.
0: The psalmist said, be still and know that I am God. That is difficult for a lot of 21st century Americans to do. We got to be up and going and doing and all of that. Periods of quiet contemplation for spiritual enrichment
1: have become increasingly rare. Be still and know that I am God. Take time to be holy as long as it doesn't exceed an hour or doesn't exceed whatever. We're just in such a rush.
0: Take time to be holy. Speak off with thy
1: Lord. Abide in Him always and lean on His Word. Attitudes, our attitudes will influence others.
0: I've known of and heard stories of people who actually have said, you know, I wanted and needed to respond to the invitation, but When the invitation song was being sung, I noticed people gathering up their belongings and putting on their coats and getting ready to to leave. And I thought, while these folks are in such a hurry, I don't want to hinder them. You see, our attitudes and our actions do influence people.
1: Has an impact upon them. Rushing through can be a big problem,
0: irreverent actions, indifference, talking, napping. Now, I can understand why some people are sleepy and tired. I know their work hours. I know their schedules. There's been a time or two in my preaching life that I've purposely awakened people. Because they would come in and sit in a particular place and build their nest, you know, or be like the old dog that gets everything ready and he lays down and goes to
1: sleep. I remember a gentleman who was sitting right here one Sunday morning years ago. And he went sound asleep.
0: And he was supposed to help, if I remember correctly, at the Lord's table.
1: And some of us were afraid to touch him because it looked as though he was almost gone. Now, he had been sitting up for hours and hours with his sick wife. W.A. Gibbs said, I was afraid to touch him because I was afraid he'd fall over in the sea. But he did wake up. But we all understood
0: that because we knew the situation. There's a lot of difference in that in somebody who just builds a nest and goes to sleep. Eutychus went to sleep. We might judge him pretty harshly, but we don't know exactly what was going on in the life of Eutychus. In Acts chapter 20, we can become preoccupied with things. We can become so concerned about matters in our own lives that we fail to worship as we ought. That entertainment syndrome that I talked about earlier is detrimental to proper worship. We're used to being entertained. We enjoy having a good time. We appreciate talent. And all of that and the the performing arts amaze us sometimes. Worship is none of that. Remember, the Lord is in His holy temple. His temple today is the church, not the building
1: now, but the church that you read about in the New Testament. Let all the earth keep silence before Him.
0: There's a time for reverence and respect. And as you read that second chapter of the book of Habakkuk, and I'm not going to have time to do it this morning, but it's interesting to note the surrounding context of that statement. Ungodly living is another hindrance to worship. Have you ever been in a situation where someone would not speak to you except if it aided them? when it was convenient for them and maybe would give them some reward. I've thought about the fact, do you imagine God ever feels that way? This person or these people only call upon me when they get in
1: trouble. I remember many years ago being called to the hospital there was an
0: individual
1: that I hardly knew that wanted to talk with me. He had been told by the medical
0: people that he had probably had some severe heart problems and that he needed uh, immediate attention.
1: Well, he said his life was not in order, so he called the preacher. And he wanted us to pray together that he might be forgiven. We did all of that. Had great hopes and aspirations. He came one Sunday. One Sunday. Got to feeling better. Had additional tests and found out that his condition was not as serious as it, he thought initially. He never came back. Wonder how God feels about things like that. Well, His Word tells us that He takes all of that into account in His dealings with individuals. Take up my cross. And follow him. That's the import of Luke
0: 9.23. Not once a week. Notice that Luke is the only one that adds the word daily. Take up your cross daily and follow me. That means that ungodly living through the week is not pleasing to God and may render our worship null and void before him because we have turned away our ears from hearing His truth throughout the week.
1: And now we expect Him to accept us on Sundays. Walk circumspectly, Paul said
0: in Ephesians 5.15. That word circumspectly is not in common usage anymore. It simply means uprightly. It has to do with living a righteous life, living a life of holiness as opposed to sexual indulgences and everything else that is so, are so prevalent in
1: our world today. Use your time wisely.
0: Redeem the time, he says. You only have one lifetime. Some people say, okay, since I only have one lifetime, I'm going to live it up. I'm going to have a big party.
1: And uh, that's what my life is going to be like. But they forget, like the rich farmer, foolish farmer, that life is going
0: to end. And then there you stand, quote, naked if you please before God. He knows all of our thoughts, all of our deeds, all of our actions.
1: We need to turn loose of the world, not just for a little while, but permanently.
0: Sometimes we'll say, help us to put the world out of our mind for a little while. No, it needs to be put out of our minds permanently. We do not live for the world. We live for the Lord. That's to be our attitude. And we do that not just one day a week, but seven days a week, 24-7, as we say. Ungodly living leads to a cluttered heart with divided affections. We're to set our affections on things that are above, not on things of this world. We're to love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. Remember Matthew twenty-two, thirty-seven 37 through 39? Cluttered minds and hearts have trouble focusing and concentrating on God and His greatness. We sometimes say, I've got to get rid of the clutter. You know, we've got to... Got a bedroom at home or maybe a utility building or something, and it's all cluttered. I got to get rid of the clutter. Well, we need to do that spiritually as well. Ungodly living will keep us from serving God. Friends, worship is a sacred privilege. Again, I emphasize that. Let us never take it for granted. And it has been proven over and over again that we will become like what are whom we worship. Sometimes people will say of a certain young man, he worships the ground his dad walks on. Or she idolizes her mother you can rest assured that that life will be kind of a reproduction of the life that they have beheld. We are children of God. And Paul emphasizes in the book of Ephesians that we are to be imitators of God. Don't allow the frivolous things to hinder you from living for God faithfully and from worshiping Him acceptably when we gather together. Worship Him in truth. Worship Him in faith. Worship Him in love. And may the sweet thought of heaven ever be the great motivation that leads us to worship Him and to live faithfully in His service. If you're not a child of His, you can become one this morning by repenting of your sins, making a good confession of your faith, and being immersed for the remission of your sins. That will bring you into Christ. Those who were baptized in Romans 6 were said to have been baptized into Christ. So if you want to be in the Lord, in His body, of which he is the Savior, Ephesians 5.23, then why don't you become a Christian today? Nothing more, nothing less. The Lord will add you to his church. You will not be joining a denomination. You are going to be added to his church, his body, his bride, his kingdom, his
1: temple. And living faithfully therein, He will come for you and all the redeemed and bring
0: you into that sweet home of the soul. If you need to be restored and you've allowed your heart and life to be cluttered with all of these unimportant things, then you need to ask His forgiveness
1: and return to your first love. Come if you're subject as we stand and as we sing.